plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back to the latest episode of Warriors Plus Minus. We've got the whole crew in here. Tim Kawakami, Ethan Strauss, Anthony Slater. Hmm. I wonder if there's a documentary we could talk about. You guys got any suggestions? Any discussion? Uh, Maybe, nothing uh, interesting. Yeah, no, no, uh, no documentaries. Like American, shows. American Factory is a pretty good documentary. Quincy, yeah. Jones, the Quincy Jones documentary is pretty good. Oh, Quincy uh, Jones is great, yeah. <laughs> I might, I might I'll, go back and watch the Defiant ones on HBO Go. Yeah, the Edge of Democracy. You guys see that one? It's on like Brazil's uh, political turmoil. It's actually really look at, interesting. Look at Slater. Look at yeah, Slater pulling expanding. it out, huh? Wow, wow. Slater pulling. I'm watching it out. the Mandal. I'm watching the Mandalorian documentaries. Though like, can't binge them. They're once a week. I'm dying here. But what else? What else we got on TV? Uh, there was. Uh, hey, so <laughs> this is funny. Any of you have the reaction? What was your reaction? I guess I'll say when Michael Jordan gets all choked up on at the end of episode seven. It's just it's a beautiful it's a beautiful sequence. You know, it's just I man, I, that's one of the best sequences I've seen in a documentary because the music's incredible. The backdrop, the montage of all the winning when he's talking about people are not going to like me; they're going to think I'm a tyrant. But I, you know, I, I, I wanted these guys to enjoy it as well. And you see his teammates and you see everybody else in Kraus just experiencing the joy of the victory. But knowing that a lot of these guys don't like him, that they dislike him and still, still probably and, and yeah. they still dislike him. And you don't quite know why he then gets choked up. And so there's a little bit of mystery there. And. I mean, that's the best. That's just the best minute in the documentary. It got my blood pumping. I didn't completely buy what he was selling, but at the same time, you you got to buy what he's feeling. Uh, it was it was great. I just I just love the way they played up to it. It wasn't you didn't expect it, but then once it hits, it it does feel like a summary. And this is episode seven. You know, there, there was there was another episode that night eight, and there's two more left. You know, it, it could have been the summation of the entire documentary. Maybe they go back to it in some kind of coda. But, like, I didn't think, you know, that certainly wasn't the spirit of Jordan's interviews to this point. And that's not a, a topic you think that would, you know, kind of break him down a little bit. Uh, but the way they play this, the way they set up all these different episodes, you can also feel it, too. You're kind of going through it yourself. So, and I've said this, and I think we talked a little bit on the roundtable that we posted yesterday, is I appreciate that it's... I mean, I don't know if you want to say authentic. Authentic has all these different resonance to it, but that it's still raw. Like these emotions, he's a raw guy. Like he has his corporate mode and he has these commercials, but the stuff we're seeing, you know, the practice stuff where he's on the play, you know, it's not as revealing as I think we were kind of hyped to, to believe the, the behind the scenes stuff, but it's still there. And it I mean, was yeah, we hadn't who, seen it before. We hadn't seen it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is different, but we heard, we've heard stories about it. We just hadn't seen it, but I think to see I didn't see him Ho in the Sam Smith book. I didn't see it. What do you mean? <laughs> he mm. called Scott Morella Ho like 20 times. Oh, oh okay. I, I, said, Ho, I, think you said, I think you said Horace Grant, too. Uh, <laughs> Horace Grant was definitely in the Sam Smith book. But um, I, I think it just hit this um, you know emotional well that he exists in, this this rage and this, you know, this other thing that we saw tipped into and it kind of like both it hit both of them and he wasn't trying to explain it away in and you know like he was trying to say this is why i do it now we came can we argue did he need to do it was, were they going to win anyway maybe but this is the way he thought he had to do it this is him looking back on his career on his life and he hasn't you know it's not like he's a successful owner right now i mean this is what his legacy is is, is playing basketball He's not Jerry West. He's not these other executives who've had this whole other second chapter. And I, I just it hit him. I think all this stuff just kind of hit him like the documentaries are hitting us. And that's what I appreciated. It was the true artistry of the documentary making and the true emotions we're seeing, the true raw emotions we're seeing out, out of Jordan. 
it was just like a highlight of how his interview has made the entire documentary. Um, he, we've never seen him like this, and we've pretty much seen almost every other. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but not every other athlete. But when I think of NBA stars, um, overexposed. Yes, particularly uh, you know in the immediate. I mean, like you know, I mean Kevin Durant is obviously the glaring example that we've all dealt with. How many times he's like really kind of like opened up to people. Uh, on different subjects, on sometimes himself, just on randomly, a, randomly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes going at Matt Moore. <laughs> um, but you know, and that's just kind of the life of today's star. Uh, you know, we're in their face with cameras all the time, tweeting. You know, he, they can go back and forth on social media. Sometimes it's not authentic if they're trying to like craft their brand and they're doing it on their own. You know, IG Live or their different channels. But we've never. I mean, Jordan has really sunk into the background post career. Um, just him at the Kobe, uh, you know, memorial service was like, wow, we've never seen that. Um, but just to have him like, clearly, I, I think I saw it was nine hours. He sat down over like three different interviews. Um, and, and I, I mean, and, I know and, that. And how much, uh, how much, uh, uh hard alcohol was consumed Ooh. by the way. Yeah. Just a bit. Just a bit. A little, so you, tequila, you saying that's whatever, what the tears was about? You <laughs> said that's why he was crying? Oh, my you God. You get how, many cig- how many cigars? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it's real just, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it was he, real stuff from him. I mean, again, some of it is calculated. It's always calculated. You're on camera. It's just his documentary. But, and again, as I said on the race, round table, I also like, oh, yeah, this other counter, like, Oh, it's not what Michael thinks. He's not what he's saying. It's all about him being getting on his teammates and bringing them along. It's all because he was the greatest player of all time. Yes, that is what this is about. He was the greatest player of all time, and there's all these uh, these reasons for it, and it's all these facets to it. And him being a tyrant or however else you want to put it, it was a huge part of it. And it's the it's the friction and the frisson that we're feeling in this entire documentary, and it's what it makes it interesting. Yeah, if I had to guess, because we're all guessing from the outside. I don't think he needed to be a tyrant for them. I think he Isn't that kind of proven? I think he needed to be a tyrant for him. I think that he had this he had this demon inside of him that made him great and he either didn't want to restrain it or wasn't capable of restraining it because everything he was going through it would have been he didn't a lot. have to restrain it. He didn't have to restrain it. And, but also, it, it yeah. helped make him great. I mean, that's uh, you know, that's part of being great is being a little crazy to think you're that great, and, and, and that's how you, you know, that's how you achieve these things that no one else does. It'd be interesting if he said, "I don't know how people react to it, but it's maybe just as likely to be true that I had to be abusive to my teammates in order." for me to get what I wanted and for me to be great. It wasn't about dragging them along, these guys who won 54 games without me. Um, yeah, did, did, he, did he have to torment Jerry Krause for being short and fat in order to get the team better? No. <laughs> that was the pull, no, that was just, the, that was the yeah, get Jerry yeah. Krause to make the right trades. That was the pull him yeah. along. <laughs> this is or from all, a, Or all this is like, like looking, this is all hindsight rationale and live he wasn't thinking about that at all <laughs> he was no. just being jordan and this now is, he's looking back trying to understand it this is yeah. not an expert opinion but as somebody who didn't watch you know closely at the time obviously i was pretty young um it seemed to me particularly in the first three pete leading into his retirement he really helped pippin mentally like that to me it seemed like his mentality really kind of strengthened pippin as they were kind of trying to plow did through he the talk pistons. to pippin that way no, that's what, like, yeah. No, well, it seemed like he, he was nicer yeah. earlier yeah. in his career because he wasn't as famous and, you know, I don't know. Everyone. No, but it also, you know, it it's goes to what Ethan's saying, but it also goes to what Jordan's saying is he saw how much Pippen could help him. And he clearly did early on. He got on Horace. He did not get on Pippen. And you can say it's because he could have broke Pippen. I mean, I think we could see he probably would have if he would have gone, gone at him, gone hard on top of him because he's just a different guy and he went on horse because horse was more of that personality you can take it or w- would be egged along by it but no question he saw what scotty could do i was in chicago when they drafted pippen i think going to school and it was like no question michael looked at him and went, okay this is a guy who can run with me this is a guy that can 
distribute when I don't want to, can defend. Like these are things that clicked into his head pretty early on because Scotty was a you know just a superlative talent beyond anything they had. I mean, you know, we're talking about Quinton Daly and you know the other guys who were on his team back when it started, and this was some whole other level, and he knew that. You know what's interesting to me is who who is Jordan listening to because the this chorus of you're a tyrant, you're a bad guy, where is it coming from? And he he kind of preluded this before the documentary saying y'all going to think people going to think I'm a bad guy and he's clearly thinking about it in the interview. Where 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 is it coming from? Even from within in this documentary. I think we, I think we know, yeah, you know it's, we, it's we don't him. need a degree a degree in psychology to know that it's he knows he knows and he looks back. He doesn't on it, like that, it. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. like how he was. Well, That's he what that, probably looked he, well no, he looked at the video like probably maybe for the first time since that season and went, Man, that doesn't look too good. That's probably what happened. <laughs> Yeah, and we don't mind it either. Like he's worried about that, how we're yeah, going to take it. Yeah, that's the thing. He's so far. He's so more worried about it than the fans are. Like he's so more bitter about it, it, it or like that's just what's un- concerned about Ma- it. Michael Jordan seems more likely to convince observers of what he's saying than himself. That's what's interesting to me. He's more likely to convince basketball fans of what he's saying about how he did all this because he needed to do it for them. He's more likely to convince them than himself. He doesn't seem to be totally convincing himself, at least when I'm watching. But it's fascinating. But I'll say one thing. I mean, we, we can spin it to the guy we know, Steve Kerr, is through all this, what a terrible person he was. And, you know, I, I think we, we're not even seeing, like, a third of what he really said to these guys. And when you got Will Perdue saying, like, he crossed lines. I mean, I'm sure he crossed lines way over the line. And yet, he, you know, he, he roughhouses with Kerr. They get into a fight. And guess who's the one who apologizes? Guess who's the one who like reaches out to Kurt? Now, you know what? It doesn't take <laughs> well, that I, much I for my yeah. number. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah like, I asked the Bulls yeah. to get me Steve Kerr's number, and I was just like, "How many months <laughs> were you guys teammates no, by then?" No question. That's hey, my this is nineteen ninety eight. Do people yeah, yeah. even have cell phones? Right? Yes, <laughs> yes. Jesus Slater, my God. Um, but. It is like he didn't I, have to I do that. I had one college by the way. Come on. I did <laughs> yeah. not have a cell phone at I, that time. I know this because Jerry West would call me on my cell phone and yell at me back Ooh, when I was covering the Lakers name that time. So, drop. Uh, <laughs> I just in that era, I remember a cell phone in my hand because there were things that happened to be things. They I was weren't exact. It wasn't exactly as prominent needing to get people's no numbers question. so you could text yeah, them. Yeah. Yes, all. yes, no question. But I'll just say it, this becomes a mythological, mythological, important story in the Bulls kind of you know thing because Jordan. And Kerr came together on this. It didn't have to happen. So I'm saying it's not entirely Jordan the tyrant. This is Jordan saying, look, look, I reached out to someone that I punched and who punched me. I, I'm not saying it, it explains and, and, you know, it evens up everything, but it becomes part of the, you see what the, the storyline is. You see what he's trying to get across when he goes back and says, see, look, look at that story where now we respected each other. And guess what? Steve Kerr hits a th- big three pointer in, 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 in a finals game. You know, th- it becomes that connection. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it might be in re- retrospect, but you see what he's kind of in his mind, how he views this. Yeah. Except Steve hit a verse. Yeah, <laughs> but, oh, but uh, yeah, he also the, has the, these the like, winner is Steve. The Steve comes out of this as the big winner because he's more gangster. Than, he's the most gangster dude on the team. He was the one dude who was willing from his documentary to go back at at Mike. And Mike is, you know, he's talking about Scotty Barrett. He calls him a nice guy. He's such a nice guy in the most condescending way, right? He's talking about all these players and then about Steve. He earned my respect. Like he's dissing Gary Payton, but Steve, he earned my respect. Like Steve is the G out of all this. He's the he's the big winner. Yeah, and it, you know, and it makes sense in the storytelling. The small white guy, you know, coming from a wholly different place, joining the you know the three. They've already got one three peat. He's dropping into this. Jordan's, you know, at that point, pretty cynical about everything, and he's fighting with Kraus, and Phil's fighting with Kraus, and. Jordan's back from baseball and Kerr's been on that team before Jordan had come back and he was like the example like did he say yeah like Steve Kerr and Luke Longley hadn't won anything you know it's these guys who weren't part of this and they were like frolicking at practice exactly (laughs) and so and it's part of this 
mythos that okay and then i incorporated even this blonde white guy who couldn't dunk into the greatness of what we became and again i'm not saying it's all true but curb by you know curb maybe is part of making it the story better certainly buys into it publicly and it, you know it's it's you can just see what the you know what the the, the things that they want to click together. And I think this documentary is doing it for a while. I, I'm a fan of this, the clicking in of things in our head doesn't make them entirely true. But look, it's that, that's, as even Jordan said, I punched out the littlest guy on the team. And like, you know, Steve Kerr's not a little guy. Like we, we've all, he's a pretty tall guy in the normal human species. But in the NBA, he's a, he's this little white guy that Jordan quote unquote punched out. And again, it becomes part of the larger story. And that's what Kerr's part of. And he played his part and he played it very well. And he's getting rewarded for it by the kudos he's receiving in this documentary. Yeah. I'm thinking about how Ken Burns criticized the documentary. Um, and by the standards of a normal documentary, sure, it's a bit of an infomercial, but that ignores how this is the infomercial we want. This is the thing we want. We want to be propagandized to by Michael Jordan. This is the propaganda we crave. And really, I can't come up with another thing like it where we would be so willing to hear it and have it be so one-sided and have it be one guy's vision. There aren't many things that have been as popular as Michael Jordan. It's a unique, sui generis situation. You know, it's not some documentary on big pharma that's done by Pfizer you know like this is this is a different thing where we want to know Michael Jordan according to Michael Jordan this is well, something you know, we I'll want. just say you know the, the Bob Dylan documentary with Martin Scorsese Dylan was a big part of that and I would just say it's comparable when you get you know unprecedented artistry athletics whatever sometimes to get the time with the person you have to do it like that and I understand Burns's point of view he does it a different way. I am a fan of what he does, but he could not have gotten Michael Jordan I mean, to yeah, like this unless so, Michael Jordan was had agreed to it. You know? And would he pass on it? Yeah. If he got Jordan, yeah, no, Mike. If we got Honus Wagner back from the dead and told <laughs> Ken Burns, well, we Honus has to sign off on it. Uh, but this is the only way you're getting him. You know, Ty, this, this... Ty Cobb tells all. <laughs> um, yeah, as far as the as the Kerr thing goes, um, you know who else is watching the hell out of this documentary is NBA players are. Every NBA player, I shouldn't say every, like a lot of them are tweeting about it live. They're into it. They're like, you know, because the, a lot of them are at an age where they didn't really watch Jordan. They only know him as the myth. And I just think the fact that Kerr is in this, you're seeing him make plays randomly in the highlights. Obviously, he was, uh, you know, he was featured in the segment about, you know, fighting Jordan. It is, I, I, I got to think in the long run, it helps Steve's rep among young players. And that indirectly kind of a, might help the Warriors down the line, you know, just you know, if your coach is like, you know, his legend grows. You know, when we talk about a lot of people, I'm just, I'm just know, waiting for Anthony to say the word Giannis. I'm just, I'm just waiting for. Well, it. he is watching the doc. <laughs> he is watching the documentary, uh, but not. I mean, I just, you know, Giannis I think, is like, man, I want to play for a coach like that. <laughs> Wait a minute, Gian, Giannis Wagner. Wait, I'm getting confused here. I, I just I just think it helps the standing of the Warriors coach among younger players, and that's not a bad thing for the Warriors. Well, his connection to Jordan has always helped him, no question about that. And like his connection to Pop and his connection. But <laughs> Giannis is muttering, that, muttering in Greek to Boonles or when Boonles or yells but, out a play. You didn't fight I mean, Michael Jordan. But <laughs> isn't that George isn't that the better take from Jordan? Like if I if I'm Jordan, I'm taking that stance. I'm taking the Denzel Washington and training day, King Kong ain't got nothing on me stance. Because anybody of them who Who's complaining? The only reason we even hear their complaints is because of Jordan. So, like, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, dude, I was Mike. You know, I, it was unprecedented what I went through. Like, he's the first star athlete trapped in his hotel room because he's so popular he can't leave. Like, like he went through it first. He was a, a pioneer in that sense. He could just say, "Yo, it, I was Jordan. It was hard." Like, that, I don't think. <laughs> like that, I don't think any. I don't think in retrospect any of his teammates are complaining like, man, well, I wish I wasn't even on that team. No, uh, it's like Steve knows we know Craig who Hodges he is. was ripping him. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're well, they're mad that this is all being aired out. You know, some of them are mad this is being aired out publicly. And, you know, that's there's a legitimate like, you know, that don't, you know, it's sacred in the locker room type argument. But I don't think any of them are like, man, I wish I wasn't a part of the Bulls three P. Yeah, I mean, they're not, but they also don't seem to like him. 
like both things are true where I think Steve knows that a lot of the reason that people know who he is or he had a certain cachet that he could parlay into being a GM as early as he could has something to do with Michael Jordan. But you also don't hear a lot of glowing assessments of what it was like to be around Michael Jordan. You know, I think Here, both I'm, things I'll are ask true. a question I don't know the answer to. Has there, I don't remember a big like reunion of any of the Bulls teams. Have I missed them? Has, has there been a big one? Or maybe Michael just well, hasn't think, shown up for them? Well, I think that's the I mean, thing just, is that he's yeah. been so divorced from the Bulls. Scottie Pippen has a relationship with the Bulls, but but you know Mike has has stayed away, and a lot of that's probably the Bulls' fault as well. Yeah, I just like you see all these other reunions for all these other teams and i'm not sure that i've seen one for them and maybe we will maybe this is it maybe this documentary is it because i mean can you imagine the warriors when the 10-year anniversary of the, of the 2015 championship comes up i think that's going to be rather large i think they're going to play that big and you know it just it, it it feels like this bulls team hasn't had that moment when they're all together right they just hasn't felt like that and maybe it'll never happen again it's part of this the, the Jordan relationship with everybody. He just dwarfs everything and everybody. And it's just a part of him that's like, yeah, it's me. It's, it is me. And I, I, it is about my teammates too, but that's what I did for my teammates. And everything is a reflection of that. And, and again, again, this isn't a documentary about the Bulls. It's a documentary about Michael Jordan. Jordan and, doesn't. And there are reasons for that. Jordan doesn't do much diplomatically. He was barely visible at Charlotte's All Star Weekend, even though he was like hosting it. Uh, Chicago just had an All Star Weekend. I mean, was he even there? Um, so it, I think a lot of it's just like Jordan doesn't really go anywhere, show his face publicly very much. Why the and neither, why that and, and is neither does and neither, neither does Phil by the way you, you know neither one of them does much Phil's yeah, off why, in Montana. The why about that is is interesting like I wonder, yeah why is that? Well, maybe it's because if you succeed to a certain level, it just seems pointless or there's just not as much there's not as much juice to it just because I I, I it's it's crazy. I mean, the crazy thing to me about Jordan is just that he golfs all day every day. With a, he's addicted. Still with a mod. Still with a mod Rashad. Just, like still, just addicted. I mean, he said he plays two rounds every day. I, I saw an interview that he did with uh, Cigar Fishing Out of Magazine. He said like thirty six holes of golf every day, uh, which might explain a lot about where the uh, Charlotte Hornets are right now. But yeah, and I, I, well, I was gonna say that's another reason we might not see him a lot. Is I think he's embarrassed by the Hornets not doing very well. well like but, he, he's but not a good owner. He's not a good executive. But, but what is that? He's not any kind of scratch golfer by reputation. So what is he doing out there? Thirty six, thirty six holes a day. Like what? What is that? Is he? Is he just? But is he just trying to get away from it all? Like what's? What is he? Is he running from something? I mean, that's crazy. Crowds. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's it's to com- compete with himself and compete with others, and to hang out with people where he's not in the middle of things. He's outdoors, but he's not in the middle of you know seven hundred people who are going to crowd him around around him at the mall or something. It's, it's just I think it's something like that. It's President, also, presidents love golf, and I think that's part of it because they can get a, away a little bit from the Secret Service and the crowds and the job and the hecticness of it all, and I think that's probably part of it. Yeah. Oh, it's just it, 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 to me. It's almost reminiscent of Tiger Woods training to be a Navy SEAL. Um, like Michael Jordan is training to be a professional golfer. <laughs> it's just very. You'll never get there. Huh? Yeah. I yeah. So. I mean, I saw Samuel Jackson in in an interview just bragging about how much money he takes off Jordan and how he's not really that good. I mean, it was he's kind of brutal. I, I I would love to know. I mean, maybe that could be part of the documentary. They, they can show Michael Jordan a little shot of Samuel Jackson uh, talking about that. But Jordan doesn't, you know, he he doesn't have the greatest swing as you said, and so it's it's just uh, now I'm gonna get I'm gonna get banned like Sports Illustrated the more I keep talking. <laughs> You're already so banned. is this is this Steph's life? Is this gonna be Steph's life? Is he just gonna when he's done playing uh, basketball? Is he just gonna be? On the court, on the Charlotte Hornets and play golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, could be. Yeah. <laughs> could Not be that exactly. bad of a call, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I you know, Steph's gonna, yeah, Steph's gonna play a, a ton of golf, no question. I, I think it's almost like he he's so much better at golf than Jordan, and there I just got banned. Uh, that he doesn't need to play it as much as Jordan does. Like it's like Jordan's doing it because he's got to feel like he's getting better. Steph's already like Steph played in a tournament that that Jordan could never play in ever 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 ever, and and you know Steph could theoretically 
play in these tours. He wouldn't win a lot, but he'd play. And so I don't know that he needs to keep proving himself doing it all the time. But yeah, he's going to play a ton of golf. He pl- he's going to play a ton of golf, you know, for every moment he can while he's playing. It's just who he is. It's just the way the sport appeals to him. But uh, it's going to be in a different way than Jordan does. I, I just don't. I don't see him gambling. You know, losing fifty-seven thousand dollars to a gambler uh, over the course of a few rounds. I don't see that happening. Do we think Steph's going to stick around the sport? I mean, Dell has de- always been around the sport. He's announcing Hornets games, which man, I mean, that can be probably soul sucking over the last <laughs> decade. Uh, but so he must love the Thanks sport. Thanks to Michael Jordan. You know, I mean, Steph could be a coach, obviously, if he wants. You mentioned ownership. You know, he could be front office. He could basically pick his job in the sport. That's what legends can do. Uh, do do you guys, Marcus? Do you think Steph loves the sport enough to like want to stick around long term? Yeah, I think he'll be doing whatever Riley's doing. <laughs> mm. If she's, she's going to be her manager, I think Steph. Yeah. I think Steph loves to play. I don't know if that's the same thing as being a lifer, lifer like that. I mean, he no, likes I think, golf. I think he's going to want to be around his kids. I, I think guess they Riley always... has stardom waiting for her, and I think he's going to be heavily but, in on that. But like Dell is around Steph, yet Dell is the Charlotte lives in Charlotte and he's the Hornets broadcaster. You could do both and eventually once they get to an age, like you don't wanna you're not gonna be living with your college age kids. I, I think he'll stay around the sport. That's what I'll say. Somewhere. Do you not, think is he gonna do in the Bay Area not, or is he gonna do I in Charlotte? Know. Or LA? Think, maybe LA. Maybe LA. Like stay around how? Like come to games? Not as a, a I don't, no, no. I don't like, know. Like what capacity. I can say if he let's say there's a Steph Corp, right? Not unlike 35 Ventures, but perhaps different. Um, where is that based? Where is the headquarters of Steph Corp? Charlotte. It'll be in the Bay Area. I think Bay. I, I think Bay Area, and I think he'll have a presence in L.A. and a presence in Charlotte, if I had to guess. That's what would be. But I think that I'll bet you the, the Steph Corp, if the, we even have headquarters anymore in the new world, and, and maybe there are no such thing after this, but I think where it's base will, will, will be the Bay Area. It's Silicon Valley. That's where the money is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that'll be in basketball though. That's what I'm. I don't think basketball would be the place he'd want to exist, like in a full time. That's where he's most king, though. You know, Um, I don't think he'll be like. I don't think he'll ever. We got to. You got to consider his wife. You know, his wife's empire. uh, I I don't think he's going to become a broadcaster like Jordan. You know, there's no way. I mean, I just don't see step. Like, it is weird to go through these clips and there's Isaiah Thomas talking on the finals. There's Magic, whatever. Obviously, there's Charles. Michael never did anything like that. And I cannot see Steph doing that. I can see Draymond doing that, but I cannot see Steph. Draymond said he's going to take Barkley's job. Yeah, he he probably probably can. He probably can. So here's the interesting part. If, if, Steph was more like Jordan. Would the Warriors be have been better for it? No, or I don't did think he figure out I, the I'm, matrix I'm, and how to I'm, be a leader. I think Amin El Hassan has a theory that I can't prove, but I like, which is that your point guard can't be like that for you to win big. And he was always saying it in reference to Chris. Is that Paul. a shot at Chris Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was saying <laughs> it specifically about Chris Paul. But point guard is a giver of joy. That's that's the point guard job. He's a giver of joy. Um, and maybe that's just maybe that just redounds to these guys don't want to be cut into by the smallest guy on the team. I, I don't know. But I like that El Hassan theory. It sounds right, even if I can't prove it. You know, more the Steve Nash than the Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. M- Magic had some of that, but not all of that. You know, Ma- Magic was so nine. big. Yeah. 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 And he had so many he had so many different facets to him. But I can see that. And, and as I you know, again, I just don't think. Kevin Durant signs with the Warriors if Steph is like Michael Jordan. That's just not what he, yeah, he wasn't going to go for that. It was, it was the much more open, you know, and, and whether Michael Jordan would have ever wanted to sign somebody like Durant, I don't know. It just wasn't possible back then, but I don't even know that Jordan would have wanted somebody like that on that level or, you know, and there's hard to compare Steph and, and Jordan just because Jordan's at this, some huge, huge, huge other thing. But I keep going back to it. It's it's special. It's it's different that Durant wanted to join the Warriors. It's also special and different that that Steph was willing to try to campaign for Durant to sign with the Warriors. Those both those things had to happen, and it only happened because Steph is such an open personality, is such a non Jordan like personality, and that's what extended this this dynasty. Obviously, you know maybe they win one more without Durant, maybe not. With Durant, they go to four. You know, they go to three finals and win two of them. So it's just, 
and and a huge part of that was because Durant felt comfortable with Steph, and Steph had created a, an environment with the Warriors that would accept somebody like Durant for three seasons. You know, it didn't quite work maybe for two point you know it worked for 2.5 of them or 2.2 of them but if he was like jordan it was no way they get somebody like durant and this this dynasty would not have lasted as long as it did in my opinion and what has been kind of bashed draymond month online isn't this the value of draymond uh his personality and how needed it was and Steph I'll tell you what, Draymond he might have been. Like I bet you Draymond was hyped watching Jordan talk to his teammates like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like the, a team I do think does kind of need that daily, you know, fire breather. And, and, and I know Draymond is not near Michael Jordan from a, you know, superstar player standpoint. But Steph kind of allowing Draymond to be the looming daily, like I said, fire breathing presence uh, and Draymond doing it well. I, I mean, you guys were around from the beginning of Draymond, but that's been how impactful was that on the dynasty? You know, I don't know that his I don't know that him getting on other players was important at the very beginning, just because he was a young player just coming up. Uh, I think his like his desire for it was huge, like his desire to get in front of you know David Lee on the pecking order to to be with Bogut on the back line to to be that wingman for Steph. You know, in a lot of ways, I don't know if it was him talking to people like, he, you know, he he wasn't going to go up to David Lee or to, you know, Iguodala or anything like that. But it it happened eventually and it was going to happen naturally because that's who he was. But I don't know, Marcus, do you recall him? In any kind of episodes like that, when he was in his first, second, third season, I, I, I wasn't until he became a starter. Like he was, that was, he was it, punk and Jeremy. He was punk and Jeremy Tyler. Yeah, Jeremy Tyler. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy Tyler. I, I think what really, he's done from really the count. beginning is he's he's number one. He set the standard. He has set the standard from day one, from from when they were playing in practice, and you know he was talking trash to David Lee before uh, before his first camp and he was like talking trash to David Lee cuz David Lee was taking ticky tack fouls like the standard of if you don't ball there's going to be somebody screaming at you talking trash to you like that's been there from day 1 he wasn't doing the I'm let me go try to motivate this guy until probably not even until they maybe until they got into a winning team i will say with Draymond that he did eventually, uh, from the perspective of teammates, go too far. But at the same time, I saw a lot more positivity from him and praise and hyping guys up when things go well than maybe what you're seeing from Michael Jordan in this documentary. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I it, it, it's hard to know. But, like, that's part of the Draymond story, too, is that if you dunk on somebody, if you're playing well, I mean, he's got he's got guys on the team who are friends with him and like him and socialize with him in a way that I don't think was happening with Michael Jordan. No, absolutely. And you know what? If there was going to be a guy that a higher profile guy that Draymond was going to get on back in those days, it would have been Harrison, I think. And I don't recall that happening. Well, also because Bogut loved Barnes, right? That was another thing. That's their friends. yeah, Yeah. I don't know if Barnes is gettable for Draymond at that point. But if there was somebody who it would have mattered to get on, who I mean, he was on Clay, that. wasn't he? <laughs> he was on Clay, yeah, but Clay doesn't even matter. I mean, I don't even know if it matters with Clay, but I just think with Barnes, that was, you know, you could just see the, for the same reason that fans got annoyed with Barnes. He seemed to lack some passion. He couldn't dribble the ball. He missed some big shots. And and I just don't remember Draymond being someone to go, oh, man, he's, he's pissed at Harrison. Again, he was tight with Bogut, and Bogut was right there behind Barnes, so maybe that wasn't doable in that locker room. But I don't recall that stuff. But you know, there might have happened. I just don't remember it. I- Iguodala is probably the one who makes the most like little snide Jordan like yes. comments. Yes. Cutting. Yes. I've been around, yes. and it's and it's and it's directed at that bench unit. So it's guys who are on the who are on the fringes, who are on the margins. I've been in the presence of it where he's taking a little shot at how Ian Clark played or how he didn't pass the ball um but i do think with andre i do think with andre it was part of a more focused i'm trying to do what these guys need and he's also a guy where he would praise them a lot when things were going well and say you know kevon looney's better than you guys think i go out of his way yeah yeah he would go out of his way are we sure jordan didn't do that i mean we're just kind of being like taken down i i think i think if he did wouldn't that footage be in there (laughs) 
and then, and and those guys, I think, would talk about it too. They would probably mention it. Where if I ask Kevon about Andre, Kevon's got a million great things to say. Like I don't, I'm not seeing that from Jordan's teammates. Yeah. He and would have made Scotty sure. May- it was yeah, with Scotty, maybe, but everyone else, I don't think so. And uh, yeah, there are there are very. Few, I mean, even before all this, I'll just say there are very few stories of Michael like really supporting a younger player and keeping with him. Uh, there, I, I'm if it just isn't out there. And Andre was like, he thought of them as his unit, right? They're like, I, I'm spending time with you guys. You guys, I'm making you guys understand the world we're in and getting you to a spot where you can help us. So if I'm putting the time in here and he put the time in, I can get on you too. I think that was certainly the complicit understanding that, you know, I'm not going to yell at you if I don't care about you. I yell at you because I care and I want you to get better. And, and, and I don't know that. You know that that was it bothered these players very much. Other than, except for the moment. I mean, but they George kicked it with Scotty Barrell, though, right? George, yeah. <laughs> off the off the off the court, he kicked probably it just because yes. Scotty Barrell yes. was yes. good at baseball. That's probably the only reason. Uh, he's a baseball prospect. I mean, Jordan's rule was basically as long as I don't ask you to do something that I don't do. I can just abuse you. <laughs> I think that was the Michael Jordan. That was the Michael so, Jordan. So, role. are y'all ready to get back to Chase Center? Slater, are, uh, we, getting, are we headed back to in Chase? a hazmat suit? Maybe <laughs> not till not till December. At at the earliest would be my guess because that's when next season's going to start. December. Uh, like, okay, like let's say. I mean, is there no chance that they have? Four games at, at Chase Center to no, finish the season. No, no, are we pulling straws or who's going to Vegas or what? Or is it automatically Slater? I'll go. I want to go. You know, Ethan's going to go. Somebody's trying to get out of the house. <laughs> yeah, Ethan's going to go, but he's not going to go to the games. He's just going to hang. He's going to hang with Legarry or something. I, I, I would. I would say three things. Um, number one, they they've already on even the call last week. They're telling guys that it's going to be like more bubble format you know, keep the guys in Orlando, Vegas type of thing. So there won't be anything at Chase. Uh, I'm not even sure media will be allowed, as I think we've already talked about. Um, to You know, maybe it's Zoom calls. I don't know. They need to figure out it logistically. And again, uh, pretty much everybody I talk to in the Warriors does not believe at the end. Like, they are willing to play, viewing it like, like I said, a replacement summer league if they are asked to play. But they just believe that logistically it's going to make no sense for them or the Hawks or the Cavs, the teams that have basically been eliminated to be a part of it. And whenever the NBA does come down with its official declaration of how this is going to go down, they just don't think they're going to be a part of it. Yeah. I think the NBA, look, this is a tough situation. I'm not acting like I absolutely know what they should do, but I don't think they're handling it great. I think they need to make decisions. I think there is a danger of being too out of sight and out of mind that people develop new habits and you need to you need to maintain that point of contact with the audience in the way that the NFL is doing. I'm just not seeing that with the NBA currently and there's a lot of unknowns so I understand it but I think they should have they they should say look the regular season is over look we're having a draft lottery and maybe even go so far as if they can get the players union to cooperate um, just start figuring this out, figuring out how you would have, I don't know, an NBA draft without necessarily completing the season if it's even possible. It just seems like they need very strong leadership. There was an interesting line, I think, in one of the ESPN articles where one of the GMs was taking a shot at Adam Silver and saying that it's hard to lead by consensus in a crisis. It just seems like they need to they need to get on it and they need to present a firmer idea of where they are and where they're going than this whole, uh, maybe, maybe not, we'll see, make a decision last moment, the season's not over. No. At the very least, the the, the regular season needs to be over. That needs to be declared. In some, in some bizarre way, are, are they half being bailed out by the last dance because it keeps the NBA in the conversation, but also a little bit, I shouldn't say hurt, but like they feel like they're filling their little conversational role because they got this documentary going on and they don't have the urgency that maybe they should have to try to get things going because people are talking about the NBA constantly uh, in, in in a Jordan sense. I kind of feel that duality here. Like, hey, you know what? The NBA is on it's a number number one topic every day on, on SportsCenter, but it's not the NBA. It's Michael Jordan. You know, it's it's not the league. It's the guy who lifted the league up to, to unprecedented levels. 
Uh, and I, I do think they're going to have something. They're going to have something to end the season. I, I do think they're very, 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 and, and they should be worried about like the health concerns in the PR of this. But maybe it's more PR than it is anything. They want to be seen as a league that cares more about it. And instead of like just at some point, this is going to happen. There's never going to be zero percent chance of further sickness infections. There isn't going to be that moment. You just have to figure out when it's going to be. Be as realistic about it as you can and then see if you can pull it off. And uh, yeah, we don't feel that momentum. And baseball has to do it. You feel that. The NFL is just going to do it. And the NBA right now doesn't feel like they're making those steps towards there is a practical moment when we have to do this. Well, and let's be ready for the it. The NBA is in a funny situation because there, there was this insane money flood that happened with the TV rights getting signed at probably the height of the TV rights bubble that completely inflated the value of franchises and just poured a tremendous amount of money into the coffers of the players. And then you had this shift happen where the star players actually gained the most power in the players' union. It used to be Derek Fisher, players like that. It used to be the rank and file. Now it's Chris Paul leading the union. And you've got a strange situation where the players who matter as far as getting a deal done might be less hurting for money than some of the owners who might matter who are getting desperate and have all these liabilities and are laying off employees. So that is an interesting situation where you have C.J. McCollum saying, yeah, I don't want to get out there. C.J. McCollum, who, good as player as he is, has not made an all-star team. He's sitting on enough cash right now where he is less desperate to get it all going than Tillman Fertitta. That is is a situation that might be unique across the sports and might speak to why it's hard to just get everybody on the same page and get it going going forward. I was talking to somebody else who was kind of defending the NBA a little bit because they are facing some criticism for how slow they're moving compared to the other leagues. And they were saying, well, like the NBA is just schedule-wise in a tougher situation than the MLB is just worried about this one season that they're trying to salvage, that they're currently uh, undergoing the NFL was in the off season, was able to kind of plow through the off season, and is worried about next season. Whereas the NBA is having this very tough balance where it has the current season is trying to end, the off season it needs to fit in, and next season that they're worried about. And it's this like you know different balance, and they believe they bought themselves time a little bit by pretty much saying at this point that they're going to push next season back to Christmas. Uh, and that has kind of given them a, a larger gap, but it it is just timing wise. When this crisis went down, it was it, it was at, it was worse to be towards the end of your season right before the playoffs, and that just happened to be where the NBA was. And I don't think they will mind at all if one of these other leagues start, and then there's an outbreak or something, and then they're like, "Yeah, see, we took our time." Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, no question. They, no they'll question. they'll, they'll they might want be right. that. Yeah. Well, watch watch the NFL just shrug when that happens and goes. We're quarantining those five players. Uh, games on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, you, well, UFC. Yeah, UFC did it. By the way, now I'm not sure the UFC is the model for everything, but I thought that that fight that that card was going to be off. Like you get a fighter testing positive and two of his corner people right before the the event, and then they have the event anyway. And you know, I mean, it's a different thing. It's a much more limited field. You have far fewer athletes, but. Uh, it happened, and I could see something like, yeah, Ethan, you talk about the NFL. The NFL is just going to go right through it. They're, they're going to go right through it. Now, I don't know that they're going to be. With fans? It, no, I don't think so. And, again, it depends on the states and all that stuff. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to play 16 games straight through. I'm saying they are going to have a season. They're going <laughs> there to is play. Yeah. no not, question the NFL Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it might be truncated. It might be extended. I don't think they're going to – like those first two weeks are like dummy weeks. If you look at the schedule, those first two weeks – or they're hoping that they play, that not necessarily going to play, and then, and God knows where they're going to be. But they're playing. The NBA, you're right. It's, it's a different situation. It's their playoffs. It's it's a different mo- moment for them. But you know the, you, what you, what we get out of the out of the NBA without trying to push them anything. And clearly, you want to be safe. But like they, you got to say at some point you, they're losing days to try to say this is what's going to happen if we can do it like they're not even saying this is the program this is the plan like eh, you know it, it's all kind of out there and, and they haven't picked anything maybe they have privately but i guarantee you, agents by the way have agents have a ton to lose out of this i know of agencies that are like in financial trouble right now they are in trouble now they're agents who cares but 
they were a big part of this. Yeah. And they kind they of run are, the league. Like, I mean, a lot, yeah, <laughs> they run a lot of w, the league. <laughs> w, WME is a humongous agency, and they're in severe financial trouble. So I would imagine agencies are going to push for something to get some checks going, and it, it, it won't be just one player or just another player. It's going to be a lot of things happening and, and get some sort of idea what the plan is. And if you have to back it up, you back it up. But it feels like the NBA is just almost afraid to even put a plan out there, and that's probably not well, the wisest way, I would say. And I think there's a – look, I think a lot of people are dropping out. So part of what keeps – fans engaged in the playoffs is this idea that they are connected to the league in some way. If you don't have some of this off season chatter going, if you don't have any momentum, a lot of people are dropping out. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if you guys, what, what you guys think based on who you know, who you talk to, but I don't know a lot of people outside of LA and Milwaukee who are just completely into the NBA playoffs and are going to be just completely outside and of the NBA Twitter world. you risk not getting those people back. Yeah, you risk not getting them back. And I Look think, at Ethan caring about people in, in Milwaukee. Uh, when did you ever care about people in Milwaukee? <laughs> I'm, not say, I'm, just, I'm commenting. I'm not saying, wait a second, <laughs> I do care. I do care, Tim. I do care. Uh, so I, I also think they need to compensate because something I was talking about with Bogut was, oh, man, when you don't go. have... Well, when you don't have fans there, because he's gone through the experiment of no fans for the NBL finals, and it hurts the TV product. It really does. You know, we're used to the energy. Like, the energy of fans, I think, matters more for NBA games than it does for the other sports. So they need to find a way to compensate for that. I, I don't know if that's putting drone cameras everywhere. I don't know if that's putting microphones on the referees when they do this, if they do this at Walt Disney World or what have you, they need to find a they, they need to figure out a way. I guess what I'm trying to say overall is that the NBA cannot just arrogantly assume that everyone is waiting with bated breath on their resumption, and therefore they can dither, and therefore they can just put out any kind of product. Like they're gonna have to hustle. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to really put something out there with some considerable effort beyond the health considerations. I, I have a question for you guys, hypothetical. Because I think the NFL properly is like being viewed as like a an organization that doesn't, you know, it's not going to care as much about maybe the social media chatter. It's just going to plow through. Obviously, they had their draft, which was a success. What if this dropped? This dropped on the country in week thirteen of the NFL season instead of basically the week thirteen equivalent of the NBA season because it was a time to just drop everything. The NFL definitely would have had to stop its season, and then having to have this restart right now where we are not out of the woods. Like, this is, like, a really bad situation for the NBA that it, it just happened to be bad timing, in my opinion. No, no question. NHL, too, by the way, Slater. Don't forget yes. about your NHL yes. brethren. Which, uh, they're, no. they don't really have a plan out there either, do they? No, no, they do, they do not. And, yeah, they're both they both have, are handicapped by a lot of different things that the NFL is not. MLB a little bit, but you're right. It's the start of the season. It's not the end of a season. Um, but I, I think that they're... The NFL is just yeah they they got the luck of the break but they're also more hard headed about this stuff yeah they're not gonna maybe, stop yeah like that's yeah the, you can't start they would have had they would have had to stop yeah they would have but whenever you restart you can't stop again like that's that's why you gotta be able to you gotta know what you're doing when you start which the NBA that you don't know like what happens if LeBron gets it do you keep going nah you gotta stop well that's again. what they're trying to figure out right now I yeah. assume the NFL they're not gonna stop yo like. <laughs> That once they start, I think they're going to keep rolling. It's 53 dudes on the roster. So it's almost designed to keep going. And I think they know you that. You look at like, that. I'll just say right? this is a Warriors round. This is a Warriors uh, podcast. But you look at that NFL schedule, and there's so many little tricks they've pulled in there, if you look at it, where they've built in little spots where they can move things around and maybe play games at other cities that there's little tricks they've done and that's the nfl they're devious like that and they've also and been given pre- the time to do that no though. question and, and and you know what the, they make so much money off the tv that they don't need the i mean they want the fans they do not need the fans and that that's a whole it's a tv studio game in a lot of ways and that's not the same for baseball for sure for the NHL and for the NBA. It's, a, it's again, we're talking different economics, no question. But, uh, I and I hate to be the one who's doing this, but I was like, you do have to understand, there's no way it's going to be perfect. No chance it's going to be perfect. There will be moments that are scary. There will be times where you go, wow, wait a minute here, what are we doing? 
And it, you can't say we're going to eliminate every single one of those. You just can't do it. So at some point, you say, this is the line that we can draw that we feel comfortable doing it, and we're just going to do it. Or we're going to skip the season. And maybe they're there too. And maybe that's going to happen. Uh, and that's a lot of money to pass up, though. That's a lot of money to give away uh, if you're the NBA. So uh, I guess the that's NFL a frustration. Has and maybe you know, issues before, too. Like, they've, they've gone through this, like, They've gone through the concussion stuff and Goodell and penalty and domestic violence. They're like, yeah, we we'll be all right. Yeah, they. This... And then again, maybe it's ca- it's callous, maybe, in, but it's it's also how you just you just get through stuff. So we'll see. Capitalism, maybe a, baby, capitalism. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's what Marcus and I are just to hell with it. Just go, just go. I mean, hey, they have, there's a game. Let's just say this, just hypothetically, there's a game next week, a practice a practice next week. Chase Center, do you do you go? Like if I'm, are, if I'm a player pre- yeah, pre- or a medium? No, no, no. I'd like to say you're you're a staffer. You're a okay. warrior staffer. I'm a, I'm a coach. Yeah, yeah. And yes, yes. it's it's yeah, yeah. And, and, and there are safeguards. Do you say no? I cannot do it, or do you say you know what's my job? And I understand that there's certain risks inherent in that. I, I think we all would go, and well, maybe we're but different. That's but I think we would but all that's would because go. we would be taking our cues from the powers that be and saying to ourselves, "Well, they wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't a you know if it wasn't totally safe." I think so. There would be there would be that, and I think they're so far. I think from we doing also that. know what we need to do to be safe. So we, we also know. can't get like sued legally if you know, somebody else got it. You know what I mean? Where like these companies got to worry about that. I would just, I kind of just wanted to spin it forward because the, the warriors are in the strange position where they don't really care about the league and the immediate as much. They're worried about next season. Like, what do you, they need probably need fans in the arena either by Christmas when they expect opening night to be next season or like pretty soon after like they, it'd be really tough financially for them to go through all of next season without fans and chase. But, well, and as, as you say, as in your story today, I mean, also without the concerts, I mean, she's how much, yeah, that's uh, the this, big deal. Uh, this, yeah. This building was based on, they're know, not going to have 80, concerts 80, for a 80, long yeah, time, man. Con- 80 concerts a year, whatever they're talking about. And I, I, yeah, that could be, Appa- really yeah, apparently singing, really, really which is all those, all people do at concerts is sing along to the song. Apparently singing is the worst thing possible that spreads this. Yes. Yeah, yes, I mean they're yes. not gonna imagine have... a picture. Have you seen those ultraviolet whatever stuff of like this the spray and what, how that far it goes? Can you imagine having a a view of a concert full eighteen thousand oh, people? Droplet oh, city. My God. I mean, oh. they, they, I, uh, there was like an HBO uh, little like real time with Bryant Gumble where they went went to Italy and and they're calling it Game Zero in Italy because it's where like in northern Italy there was this huge spread and it was like a really high intensity soccer game where like Ethan was saying. People are just yelling and cheering, and they had like four goals for the home team, and it's just like you said, Droplet City, and it caused like a crazy amount of spread there. So it's very concerning for the sports world moving forward. Man, at Chase at, at Purell Palace, at least they can like put some sanitizer in the sprinkler system and just shower everybody before they leave. <laughs> Purell <Pure> Palace. <laughs> it's uh yeah the singing is even the singing apparently god what a crazy situation but yeah that choir in uh the state of washington was a super spreader event just people getting together and singing so yeah they're gonna be hurting for for money for some time that's that's for sure and we're focused on the immediate which is getting sports back online but yeah the warriors i i I'm yeah, it's uh, it's a rough scene, a rough scene financially for them and completely yeah. out of nowhere. And meanwhile, we're like, should they, uh, you know, add Kelly Olynyk in his, you know, whatever $15 million mm. contract that, you know, adds this much of tax? Like these, que- I mean, they got a lot of tough financial questions moving forward and it, it could potentially really hurt what could have been a sturdier rotation. Yeah. Well, you know, so if but only when they people were- get back, though, will the boon? I guess that's what you know why the NBA needs to get going. Cause, but you know, if the NFL, if they ever stop, whenever they start, everybody will just come back. Wouldn't they be able to count on that same stream at some point anyway? And it's just like, all right, you take the hit, and then you get right back on track. Yeah, definitely a version of it, and that's why I think, like you know, all hey, everyone has to look at that salary cap and say this could really, really be changed. I don't think it will be. Just because you have Steph Curry already signed to a $40 million a year contract. You, you can't say, oh, you know what? You signed to a $40 million contract for, based on this salary cap. And now the salary cap is 
like 60% of that. You can't do that to teams that have, have signed these long-term contracts. So I think anything will be phased I've, in. Any, I've, like, got a, I've got a topic to bring to the fore right here. What if the way they hand, what if the way they handle this is like after 2011 and they say you get an amnesty provision? Yep. Is yep. Draymond still but, on the team? <laughs> uh, it depends on what the luxury tax yes, calculations are, but yeah, yeah, they've already made or the decision. Or they're or they're just made, their, yeah. like they would really have to be in bad financial shape. If they're like, yeah, I mean, if it's like if it's a salary cap, like if you say the salary cap now, I mean, the luxury tax now is going to you know be triple of what they thought it was. Then they have to rethink everything, but. I don't think they're doing that because then you're you're going to wipe out some teams if you do that based on contracts they signed on entirely different salary cap rules. I just don't see that happening. They have not done that in the past. Other sports have not done that. It's just you can't just say here are the rules for this for this time and now we've dropped it by 60% and now you owe us another $150 million. You can't do that to teams because these contracts are not year to year. They're based on long term. You encourage them to sign these long term contracts. You want them to have continuity and then you're going to say, oh, because this happened, we're going to destroy Like, So then who would sign anybody? Nobody could sign anybody at that point and they can't have that. They're going to have to phase whatever they do. They're going to have to phase it in. And also, you have to actually make money when it resumes, and you can't do that by crippling the teams that make money. Like if the well, if, but, you're, but if the Warriors now, are going to make money again, you can't tear apart the roster. But now it gets interesting. But now it gets interesting because I used to have a sense under Stern of which teams had the juice. You know which team which teams were the Stern allies and could bend his ear and. I don't have a good sense of that under Adam Silver. I don't know which teams really have the juice to shape whatever they're going to do um, to, to their favor. And I don't think a lot of those owners would want to help the Warriors out to help some of these other teams that have spent more money out. But I don't know who's going to be the most influential in those back rooms. Well, it's who Ben Silver's here, right? Well, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Like, like if, I don't know who that if is. Every team, if every team is in a luxury tax... That doesn't help anybody. It, it doesn't. Uh, you know, it, it, it just – and the players, again, you're, you're a free agent next year and nobody can bid on you. You know, that that doesn't help anybody. They'll figure this out. And, you know, it just like – give you. And, and I understand there's a chance the Warriors would owe $200 million in luxury tax based on what their current commitments are. I understand it is a possibility. It's unrealistic to ever have that. It's just not realistic. So they'll figure some other way. And I think inherent, the inherent cores of each team will be on the team next season. Every team. I don't think they're going to change the realities of where the teams are. The dollars might have to change a little bit. They're not going to end. I think the Warriors will be who we think they are. They will generally have the same opportunity to use their exceptions that we thought. Again, they might be lower. Some, might be, some of the, the framework might be different. But I don't think the relationship between the teams, I'm going to say that way, the Warriors are going to be able to spend more than some other team because they were would have been able to spend more than them last season. It's going to that relationship is going to be the same, and I think a lot of stuff that we talk about, what free agent, whatever, it's going to remain the same. Maybe the dollars will change, but it's not going to be they are done. They are now going to pay three hundred million dollars in salary in luxury taxes. It's over. That will not be the reality of this summer. I, I truly believe that. Marcus, that to answer your initial question, which was like you know if if. They just know that this is going to get back to what they thought it was going to be. Can't they just know that they're going to make up the money on the back end and still spend? I would say yes. Like if they know Chase Center is going to be back and active in 2021 and just concerts and games and playoff games and into the 2020s. And wow, that was a crazy, you know, uh, first year of the decade. That's fine, but like the problem right now is like they don't they don't know that uh, none of us know none of us have been given any type of end date. That's the uncertainty is probably what's scariest about this than anything. If everyone just knew, hey, January first, life's back to normal, Chase Center back to normal, large crowds can gather with no concern, then yeah, they, I think they'd know the cash flow would be coming. But do, does anybody know but we that? Know, we know we know we know there's an end. We just don't know when it is. At some point, there'll be a vaccine, and it's over. Otherwise, we I, set this all actually, down. I don't know if we know that. I mean, we I, don't. It, we don't know that. There's but I mean, I mean, well, we, if, if that's the case, there's no more sports. There's no more life. Like, like we. Well, can, it's an all it's of it a, is done. 
it's an altered society, and then suddenly you're, you're you talk about financials in an altered society. Yeah, no, it's then the, the whole system is done. Then if that's if if, the, if games never resume, the whole system is done. But uh, you like can the, have the games billion dollar stadiums. It, but are wait done. a second. But you can have games without having a vaccine. Like you can you can do that. No, but I'm, I'm just saying yeah. we know that there's an end. Otherwise, what are we talking about? We know that at some point this will end. I'm saying at that point, whenever it is, at that point, there will be a calculable, calculatable loss. You will have a number. Here's how much we lost, period. Now, we don't know what that number is, but we know that number is not infinite. It is finite. And I'm saying whatever that number will be, because they know they will make money in the future, they could just eat that money. You could just eat it. Depends on how much it's going to end up being. What if they do not have fans in arenas next season? Marcus, I yeah, mean, like, still, so then it's two billion and you eat it, and now you know you're gonna make money. If you, so, how, so how, do you spend all the money you would have this summer if you know you're not gonna have fans next season? It's the only way you could make money. Like, how, how would you make money then? If you put out there a team that's not good, you not only owe the money that you lost, but you also now have suppressed how much money you can make going forward. The only way is to go all in. It's going to be whew, it's going to be tough with it, particularly cuz I'm not sure by the time they have to make these decisions they know where this is going. The question I mean, is somebody's got to lose money. Somebody's got to lose money through this. Somebody's got to lose money. It's probably everybody got to share it, but somebody's going to lose money, right? And at some point like this is not even just sports. It's everybody. Like at some point a bank is going to lose money from somebody's home loan. At some point somebody has to say, "Yeah, we just got to take this L." It might be the people, it might be the banks, it might be the federal government, but somebody's going to pay for it. And I'm saying they do that knowing, hey, we're going to play at some point. So if if you told Lakeup, hey, through all this, you're going to lose $400 million, is he, is he done? Or is he like, all right, now I know the number, let's go, let's move forward and get that back because now he knows the number is $400 million. This is a dude who came up with $2 but, billion. But, un- but uncertainty is what creates credit freezes. When you don't know, when you don't know, people aren't as willing to spend money and they can't possibly know. Even if what you're saying is true, that eventually, that there is an eventually, but not knowing that, I mean, that causes... But you know there is an eventually, you just don't know when. You don't know what the eventually looks like, though. We can't just say the eventually is what it was back in May. But if there is not May, uh, if it's not, then this whole thing is done. They have a two billion dollar stadium based on eventually. The Clippers are are trying to build a stadium, and what you call it? It's based on eventually. So if that if it can't happen now, the Clippers are done, and the Warriors are done, and the Lakers are done, and like. If that's the case, then there's no nothing anymore. Now we're going. Now it's the it's the uh, it's the ABL. <laughs> you gotta fold the NBA and have the ABL. And if that's the case, everybody loses. It. What's the point? Well, I mean, the Warriors just laid off over seventeen hundred people. I mean, a lot of them part time. I mean, it's I I don't know about done. I don't know what done looks like. I don't know what it means. Um, and that's that's kind of the big question. It's the big question of these institutions that you can't imagine the country without whose name has a kind of brand value, how much of this can with, can they withstand before just something happens? Like Disney. I can't imagine and This is Disney what the goes, NFL doesn't do, right? The NFL yeah. is like, man, we back. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll be just fine. And everybody else is imagining in a world that won't ever be the same. I mean, college sports might be, you know, in, in bigger trouble than anyone. Yeah, Disney, for instance, I don't. I don't know. Like Disney, I can't imagine Disney going away. It's too big a brand. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so in the end, if they lose $2 billion, they can't survive that? I mean, I think they're losing more than $2 billion. Oh, and, $10 billion. They can't yeah, survive that? Well, I don't know what survive means. It's like somebody else is going to be flying the flag of Disney because it's a well-known name. But will the corporation, as we know it, still exist? I, I, don't, I don't know. I will say that is another implication. If this thing continues to go and drag on and on and on, then the TV partners who have to figure out the NBA contract, uh, I guess a half decade down the line, then you're going to see another hit. I mean, the NBA might be entering a long winter, I guess is what we're saying. Yeah, but you've been open. Those, the TV networks have their own realities too. I, 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 I'm going to say it similar to what Marcus is saying is that it's all in relation, you know, it's all in relation to what used to be in what everybody's in some economic trouble, everybody. And 
Uh, will there not, be not Tillman Fertitta, according to him? Not Tillman. Well, no, I see him probably more than anybody. The takeout orders uh, are cranking, huh? <laughs> yeah, those steaks, man. Uh, and, and so, when there is a resumption of society, and and I'm going to agree, Marcus, there will be. We don't know exactly what it's going to be like. There will be. There will be sports when there is a resumption of society. Period. There will be. Now, there again, I, I think what we're looking at is. Owners taking a hit and players are going like what you could just say is everybody's going to make 20% less than they did. That's how you do it. Like they don't want to do that, but that's how you do it. You know, you, you just like you can't just say you everyone who is now a free agent takes a hit. You can't do it that way. You can't say, you know, these ticket prices are now this like you have to. It has to be an, a total across the board understanding. And I think that's practically how it happens. But there will be games and they have to understand that there will be games or else Marcus is right. Then just fold and they're not going to fold they're, This thing is going to restart at some point. Again, we don't know when. But uh, it, you, you just can't just throw your hands up and say, we don't know, it's over. It, there are ways to start this. And I'm thinking we'll see it July, you know, maybe August. Uh, but we're going to have games again and we're going to have to figure it all out. But uh, it, it, the, the money is too much and, they, and the companies exist for these things. Again, we talk about what the contract's going to be with the TV networks. What are the TV networks going to be like in five years? We don't even know. I mean, is Amazon going to be showing all these games? It could very well happen. We just don't know. And the, the idea is there is a demand for sports. We know this. There still is a demand for sports, even when there isn't sports going on. And there will be a demand for sports when, this, when, when the society comes out of it in any which way it does. What I a do wonder. topic. Cheery topic yeah, tonight, tonight's podcast. I, I, I do, and the Warriors are gonna are, are gonna go after Giannis. There, there. I do wonder what deal would Amazon have to give for the next TV rights for the NBA to just say have all our rights right now? Because Amazon is more flush with cash than any company. They're only getting more powerful. I mean, that's a whole other. Can't thing. give me my books in, in 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 less than five days now, though. I'm used to one day, and I can't get. Well, them nobody else is competing. They could give you that. You could. They could give you that book. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Go somebody else. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. It's uh they they run the game right now. So I do wonder what their what the number would be if Amazon and I have no indication that they want NBA rights, but if they came to Adam they Silver NFL, they want NFL rights yeah. though. They're gonna get some NFL. If, if they came to Adam Silver and they said, Look, don't give it to TNT, don't give it to ESPN. This is the new TV deal. I really wonder what that number would be in this situation. I feel like Bezos could get a good deal, is what I'm saying. Yeah, he, nah, I don't know. He'd probably, they'd probably take a good deal would be the same deal they have, right? Well, like, but it could be one of those money up front, money. like if yeah, you yeah, those, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm gonna give you. Uh, I'm gonna you, give, give you me two billion right now. We got, it. <laughs> and I'll give you three billion if you start the games right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, wait a minute. We might have a way to do this bubble thing, like right now. I mean, it would be really interesting to know what that number would be if if Amazon actually swept in and said we want to do a deal right now. I would be yeah, but we'll see. All right, we'll figure out something to talk about next week. Right? Maybe? Hopefully? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Always something. Always something. Oh, now, after uh, the documentary ends, we might I, have more draft issues, talk. I, I'd say start, I'd say start brushing up on your uh, your draft stuff and your I, old I, Warrior I, games. I crushed Wiseman. We didn't, even, <laughs> I, we didn't even talk about me crushing Wiseman. That'll have to be next time. We'll do, we'll do, what, Wiseman. What we'll do Wiseman next we time. We might have a few more pay. podcasts before the actual draft happens. I'm just yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> we, uh, before the, when does the draft lottery happen? Like, that's when. No, we don't know. Delay. September, maybe? Absolutely. When the draft lottery lottery happens then we we can at least know where they're picking but until then whatever we're out of here words plus minus we'll be back next week 